Good evening. Welcome to Equal Footing with Dove Tusman. We've got a show in store for you tonight. Uh, we have with us one of the premier Jewish scholars in America, the United States, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Jacobson. Rabbi Jacobson is one of the most sought-after speakers in the Jewish world today. He lectures to Jewish and non-Jewish audiences on six continents, has lectured in 50 states. He's considered one of the most passionate and mesmerizing communicators in Judaism today, calling his ideas from the entire spectrum of the Torah and other sacred texts. Rabbi Jacobson founded and serves as the dean of the yeshiva.net, and he teaches some of the most popular Torah classes in the world. He's based in Muncie, New York. He's also the author of A Tale of Two Souls, a 150 audio series in the teachings of the Tanya, which is a, a Hasidic classic, a, 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 a sacred text or a scholarly text. And he's written over a thousand articles on themes related to biblical studies, Jewish law, Jewish history, Jewish philosophy, education, U.S.-Israel relations, current events, and politics. And that's where we come to today's show. Rabbi YY, very nice to have you on the show. My pleasure and honor. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, I hope you don't mind me saying Rabbi YY. This is a, how you're affectionately known in the in the Jewish world, Rabbi Jacobson. It's it's really an honor to have you. It's perfect. When I was born, they said, why, why? <laughs> I think they probably said the same thing about me, And I'm too. trying to justify and answer the question through my existence. <laughs> Well, hopefully this will be a small little piece of that and putting that puzzle together. Our topic tonight is Donald and the Jews, the perils of partisanship. Obviously, the Donald we're referring to is not Donald Duck. It's Donald Trump. And the subject on the table... You fooled me. <laughs> right. Well, I won't, I won't go there. What we're not going to do tonight is perhaps what listeners are expecting right now. We're not going to discuss why you should or shouldn't vote for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. We're not going to discuss whether you should or you shouldn't be a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian. We're going to talk about what it means for the diaspora in the United States to be clearly aligned or at least perceived to be clearly aligned with a political candidate. It could be Donald Trump or another candidate. You know, I remember... The first election, Rabbi YY, that I was uh, aware of as a child, and it was the 1980 election. It was Reagan, Carter, and there was a, a, a third candidate, Anderson, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And at that time, the Jewish community was seen, not like today, and we're going to get into this, but was seen as, as solidly behind Jimmy Carter, but now that, and that a completely different type of politician than Donald Trump, almost a polar opposite. But the, I remember discussion back then with my dad about what it meant to, for now, the Jewish community in this country to be clearly identified with a candidate and the dangers of that. And we're gonna we're gonna get into that first. Let's give out our number because I'm sure many of you are gonna want to ask questions directly of Rabbi Jacobson. The number here in studio is seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero. And our text number, if you're shy about being on the radio, is 
1-800-273-4062. Okay, Rabbi Jacobson, let's start us off as a general point. Is it healthy in your view? Because I would make the argument that at least the observant Jewish community, if you walk around with a kippah with a yarmulke, and this is not a Jewish-exclusive show. I just want to be clear. We have many listeners who aren't Jewish, and I think these themes apply to any small minority community because at the end of the day, you know, as Jews in America, we're, we're a small percentage. You know, we're 2 to 3% of the American population, and and historically we've kind of been in the shadows to some degree when it comes to political activism. So is it healthy for this small diaspora community in a C, what's the population now of the United States, 350 million, something like that, to be so clearly, I would argue, perceived to be aligned so clearly with with one uh, presidential candidate? From my perspective, the the question is really a much larger one and a deeper one. It is, of course, fear, and perhaps even more than fear, for any individual Jew or human being and any community to have very firm and strong opinions about politicians, about leaders in all areas of politics, and certainly about uh, what we would call the leader of the free world, especially in an era when so much is at stake in terms of anti-Semitism, in terms of Israel's relationship with its neighbors, in terms generally of, you know, the future of, uh, of the free world. And, you know, to ignore that and just to demand from people spinelessness, I think, is, is ridiculous and absurd. But what we do have to remember is we are a people, I'm talking to my fellow uh, brothers and sisters, the Jewish people, but I think to some degree it relates to all of us because we're all God's children. Our nation, our people have been around for uh, 3,330 years, literally, which means quite a few thousand years before this great United States of America was founded. We never, I don't think, we should be ever aligned completely with a politician, even if we support, even if we agree, even if we bless, even if we're thankful, and even if we're grateful to an individual or individuals. And the reason is because we have a mission statement. Our mission statement given to us by the creator of the world thousands of years ago at Sinai was to transform the landscape of planet Earth, to make our world a place of goodness, kindness, compassion, and decency. We must never become entrenched in the world of politics to the point that that becomes our identity. So yes, we honor the office very deeply, whoever sits in the office, whether we agree or we don't agree. We certainly can have very firm opinions and encourage our friends or others to be able to follow that for whatever the interest that we feel sacred and valuable. But I think it's important to know that we should never completely surrender and become identified with a politician or politics. There has to always remain a certain transcendent spiritual connection, and that is people are not perfect. People are flawed. We want to influence every politician in a positive way. We want to be, we want to be inspiring to all sides of the spectrum, and we want to ultimately bring people together. Rabbi, let's 
let's start by helping to educate maybe those listeners that aren't as politically active, maybe non-Jewish listeners that might not even be aware of what has become kind of a, a rising <laughs> tide of, of Trump support in, in the observant Jewish community. Why do you feel, whether it's a good idea or not, why do you think that there is such a strong political alignment political. behind Donald Trump right now uh, within the, let's call it the the observant Jewish community, from the conservadox all the way to the ultra-Orthodox, that, that segment of the Jewish population? It seems to me that, you know, not only the observant Jewish community, but I would define it as a tremendous amount of Jews who care deeply about Israel, care deeply about Jewish continuity and the dangers of anti-Semitism, care deeply about the dangers of uh, Islamic fundamentalism and Islamic terrorism, care deeply about these types of topics, which I'm sure a lot of people, many many people, I mean, Americans, America's a wonderful country, but Jews who are really, really passionate about this, I would say that this is a major factor. And the reason is I would just point out a few things. You know, uh, last November, I uh, many listeners watched it and were even, I'm sure, there. I introduced, uh, I introduced President Trump at a gala fundraising event where 400 Jewish uh, uh, philanthropists with, with yarmulkes on their heads uh, came to give gratitude and I guess also came with checkbooks to support, uh, to support him. And I have to tell you, as a world traveler and somebody who speaks to all segments of the community, Jews and non-Jews, including what you might call very, very liberal institutions, whether universities, campuses, synagogues of different affiliations. I got an enormous amount of email, a lot of positive, but also a lot, a lot of negative. Mm-hmm. And people asked me, they said, you're an intelligent person. You know, how do you deal with the bigotry and the language, you know, et cetera. And the point I made, and I, I think this is probably the best answer to the question. I said, without, you know, I don't worship, we don't worship people. And we don't deny anybody's flaws. But I think what a lot of Jews have seen is that uh, he canceled, Trump canceled the horrific nuclear deal with Iran. For, for Jews who care about the Jewish people, when you had a regime who explicitly stated that they aspired to create a second Auschwitz, and they got $150 billion, not million dollars, a despicable leadership which openly craves to see rivers of blood flowing from Jerusalem to Washington, just canceling that deal with unwavering, uh, unwavering strength, I think was very powerful for the Jewish people. I think the fact that all former presidents promised but it didn't deliver to relocate the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem, and he did it, was very powerful. So I think the fact that U.S. Sorry for the interruption. Let's take for for granted, for the sake of this conversation, because here our goal here tonight is not to convince someone to be on either side of the political right. divide. But let's take for granted that if you are pro-Israel, that you feel good about the decisions that have been made and the actions that have been taken by the current administration. Right. I'm sure there's some there's subtleties there, and not everyone would agree. But let's let's take that as a given. I'm sure, the yeah. Conversation for the sake of the of the conversation. 
what a, what else are there other reasons and and there and it may be fine it's a single issue that's that's and that'll get us to our our next questions around what it means to actually have to be aligned with a particular party what it means for our relationships as a Jewish people with other uh, segments of the population in the United States but aside from that single issue is there another core issue that you feel has kind of aligned the observant Jewish vote with the Trump administration? Um, I think I think maybe uh, three or four other issues. What are they? Um, that, 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 that I'm aware of. I think number one was, you know, terrorism started against Israel, but it didn't. It continued against the whole world. Right. 9-11 didn't start in New York. It started in Israel. And I think a lot of Jews were moved by his unwavering and unapologetic stance against terrorism, uprooting ISIS, never equating the two sides. Like Jews have told me, a lot of Jews in my travels, that for the first time when Israel was fighting in Gaza, the U.S. leader was not calling on both sides to show restraint, but basically understanding that there is a side that wants terrorism and a side that wants peace. I think for Jews that meant a lot. Mm-hmm. Another component, I think, was the idea that, uh, this is very interesting, in 2016, the Palestinian Authority distributed $303 million in stipends to families of people who axed or stabbed and gunned down Jews, money that came from U.S. Te- US taxpayers. And this was happening under Republican presidents and Democratic presidents. And Trump was the first leader who stopped it. And finally, I think the last, uh, at least one more component was, is I think that uh, a lot of these Jews feel a certain uh, commitment many aspects of what you might call the Judaic values that inspire generations of Americans that they feel he represents. And as Jews who are very affected by these Judaic values, I think they find uh, kinship in that. So that's helpful. And a lot of that has seems to have to do with a global policy, foreign policy. Let's, let's assume for the sake of this discussion also that when it comes to tax policy, when it comes to health care, when it comes to uh, issues around um, other areas of social policy, whether it be uh, same-sex marriage, whether it be uh, you know rights to an abortion, etc., that there is you know some degree of of alignment on, on some of those issues. What about the other side? I don't think that's so much. I don't think that's so much particularly, but I think more like the recognition of what you would call maybe the sacredness. Mm-hmm of a family, the sacredness of tradition, the power of faith, these types of things. More, you know, Jews, I think, were always wise to understand the pitfalls of getting involved in very local, uh, detailed policies. Like, you know, you have to have your boundaries. Uh, but I think just a, a general respect, a deep respect for, for traditional values in a, in a very general sense, in a very general sense. So again, whether it's the sacredness of family, the power of faith, community, and so forth, versus moral, versus complete uh, moral relativism, you may say. And I think that there are a number of groups that are focused on faith-based 
issues, the evangelical uh, vote, for example, that where there's probably I'm sure I'm sure yeah. I'm sure yeah. Yeah. The difference there, I would argue, is that the evangel well, first of all, numbers. I mean, there are ten to fifteen times right. the number of evangelical Christians in the United States as there are Jews of any of any stripe or whatever level of observance. Right. And, and there's been um, a history of political activism really dating until since the mid 1950s in that that community. This is this feels different. And uh, again, our number is seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero to call in I'll tell you to, another, another to, to discuss with with Rabbi Y Y Jacobson the topic of Donald and the Jews, the perils of partisanship, and what it means to be aligned as as a as a voting block, or at least seems to be somewhat aligned within a certain segment of that voting block with the current administration. Sorry, Rabbi, I just wanted to give that number out again. What, what was your question? Yeah, yeah, no, no. I I just think it was just a moment. Moment, I think it's worth reflecting, maybe also to answer your question. Um, last November, there were 400 Jews who came to a fundraiser for the president, and he spoke to them. And I was um, backstage together with uh, Trump and um, his son-in-law, Mr. Kushner, and Avi Berkowitz, you know, graduates of yeshiva who were around the president. And I saw something, and my memory, my memory, I had a flashback. And it was, for me, it was very moving. I shed a tear. In October 1943, two days before Yom Kippur, there were 400 rabbis with yarmulkes who marched from the Washington Railway Station to the White House to plead with President Roosevelt to help save the millions of Jews in Europe who were being slaughtered in mass. They wanted he should, you know, change their immigration policies to the U.S., deal with the death camps, help save Jews from the camps, and so forth. The president walked out of the back door of the White House not to speak to these 400 rabbis. Mm. <clears throat> when seven and a half decades later, I watched a room with 400 people with yarmulkes in their heads, and the president speaking to them, and there was a very positive energy in the room. I said to myself, this deserves to have today people who are displaying very powerful friendship to the Jewish people, to our interests, and to our goals for, for ultimate peace and, and security and protections. I think that's, that's also a major uh, sentiment, at least among many Jews. Rabbi, we're going to take a break, and we're going to, when we come back, we're going to kind of take the, the other side and see how, as a Jew in America... Mm-hmm. Uh, where we both are on this on this uh, on this show tonight, a lot of our listeners are, many aren't, and what it means to be aligned on the other side. Why one would take the position as a faith-based voter and be uh, feeling uncomfortable voting with with Trump or be clearly aligned on the other side. We'll be right back with R- Rabbi Y. Y. Jacobson, one of America's premier Jewish scholars, on the topic of Donald and the Jews, the perils of partisanship, the relationship between the observant Jewish community in contemporary America, and the current election with the Trump administration. We'll be right back. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight joker. I sure don't want to hurt no one. I'm a picker, I'm a grinner. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. 
With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. All right, we're back on the air. You're on equal footing with Dove Tusman. I am graced by the presence of Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, one of the world's premier scholars on Torah and a popular author and commentator. Our number, 718-303-9090, to get in on the discussion of Donald and the Jews, the perils of partisanship. All right, Rabbi, one of the things that we try to do on this show is to find common ground from what appear to be polar opposite originating positions. So I'd like us both here to get on the other side of this issue and assume that there are very good reasons why an observant Jew would be against Trump. And when I say observant, I want to be clear for those, because I don't want to make anyone listening to the show feel like they're not part of this conversation. I'm not talking about, when I say observant, about whether you dress in a certain way, whether you honor uh, every single bit of Jewish law. And I know some people may disagree with me on that. But I, what I mean by it is, is the observation of faith an important part of your life? Do you identify as a Jew in a primary way, as opposed to saying, you know, maybe it might be the fourth or fifth thing you might say about yourself. So that, that's what I'm getting at. So, Rabbi, if you could play the advocacy position for a moment, and actually, to be fair to you, I, I haven't, I, we're not make, I'm not making any assumption of where you sit politically, not the point of the show. But if you were uh, an observant Jew who was very much against Trump right now and committed to voting against him, why do you think that would be? Um... I think, you know, I could tell you what the individuals have, individuals have shared with me. Please. Some people are extremely, extremely turned off by his uh, language, which is often brute and unrefined and often very, very uh, bully-like, mm-hmm. aggressive, and what some people would call uh, very divisive. And... Uh, Extremely, <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because you know sometimes it is very funny, and it's good to introduce humor. And they just feel, you know, it, there's there's a certain refinement. People come to a certain refinement or respectability that they find in uh, in uh, Mr. Biden. I think that's uh, you know that's that's one issue. I think another issue would be many many Jews. Really, many Jews in America embrace a lot of ideas of what you may call, you know, left-wing liberalism. I don't know if you want to call them observant Jews, but certainly Jews who who are very precious people and consider themselves, you know, as an indispensable part of our people, and they are an indispensable part of our people. 
And I think a lot of the the values or the ideas that he espouses, they really embrace. Um, I think I mean, those are some of the factors that come to mind and what mm-hmm. people have shared, have shared with me. So I think here's the problem or Sorry. Yeah. From from an outside perspective, and I I I, I kind of sit in both worlds because on the show we get different we have different points of view, and in the business world, obviously, I'm on a daily basis dealing with lots of people that are far from the uh, observant Jewish community. It, there's a risk of what a, what is often perceived to be deep hypocrisy. And I think the same challenge is faced by other groups of faith that align politically. Certainly it's an issue that's been at the fore for decades with the evangelical vote. Is And I'll, I'm going to call it this, this issue of hypocrisy or the issue, let's call it inconsistency, for the sake of, of the discussion, we're called the problem of David. And what I mean by the problem of David, and you know, a little teaser out there that we're going to cover this really frontally next week on next week's show, is in the Bible, David is of course the the king uh, of the of the Israeli people, and you have the unification of Jay and Samaria, uh, 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 Jay and Samaria. You have uh, centuries of, of prosperity that are, that are ushered in. He's Clearly, one of the, the the patriarchs of the of the Jewish faith, and is honored uh, as as a strong and, and righteous uh, and st- strong leader. At the same time, there's no question uh, in in the Torah that that in the Bible that that David has some pretty serious moral failings, uh, and we can get into that in the show. But suffice it to say that that they're 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 almost fatal moral flaws, or they appear to be at least in the surface. And I think this is part of the tension. That we struggle with inside and outside of the community is is it is it okay to be supportive of a leader in this case Trump, who I don't think even the most ardent supporter within the observant Jewish community would say that he's you know a, a very moral man, and so is it important? I mean, is it important that we as faith-based voters uh, prioritize morality in our leadership, or is it okay for our leaders to? You know, we're not we're not voting for rabbis. We're we're we're, we're voting for 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 presidents. And yeah, how, how do you address that tension, either in your own right. congregation or? It's an president? excellent it's an excellent question. It's an excellent question, and I'm gonna I'm going to make uh, I'm going to make two points, and I say this really, in a, and I'm trying to say this in a, in a very unifying spirit. I feel that it's very important, you know, not to fall into any trap, not into the Biden trap and not into the Trump trap. To just, you know, flatly declare and say, you know, Trump may be nicer for Jewish causes and Israel and terrorism, but in his personal life, he's a bigot, he's unrefined, he's a bully, and Biden is the embodiment of... uh, American glory and morality and patriotism and caring and dedication. I think that's a little bit falling into a trap. Not and not for political reasons, really. Whether you vote for Biden or you vote for Trump, I'm sure there's hypocrisy here. I'm sure there's hypocrisy there. It's very important not to start worshiping candidates, not on the right and not on the left. People have what we call big, big Yetzirahs. <laughs> We all have toxic and negative... What, for those listeners that don't know what that term means, what is Yitzhahara? Yitzhahara is that God, part of the human condition is that we all must struggle till our last breath with very, very deep, 
toxic and negative forces of narcissism, of cruelty, of promiscuity, of selfishness, of egotism, of fear, of insecurity, of deception, of hypocrisy, of, of, of seeking self-glorification at the expense of others, blah, blah, blah. You could discuss this further with your therapist or with your mother-in-law. So it's very important, you know, I, uh, Mr. Trump is a flawed man, as you said, his most ardent supporters <laughs> will say this. But I don't think it's, even if I was the greatest left-winger calling on everybody to vote Biden, which I'm not, I don't think it's fair to make it, you know, black and white. I'm sure Mr. Biden has his issues that he has to deal with hypocrisy and his issues of lack of transparency. I'm not discussing what you want to discuss Ukraine, China. This is not our topic tonight, but I just don't feel I think it's a trap to turn it into like the moral guy mm-hmm. who's maybe not so good for, you know, some Jewish causes versus the immoral guy who's good for Jewish because I, I don't know. I don't feel I don't think it's so intellectually wow. honest and I'm not sure the verdict has been uh, finalized on that question. You know, However, you're you're a a one of the preeminent commentators on the Tanya, which the subtitle of which, which is a, a book uh, written early 19th century or late 18th century, and by a, a, a extraordinary uh, thinker in, in the Jewish faith, uh, Shneur Zalman. And the subtitle of that book is a, is a, is a book for in betweeners. And I think part of what you're getting at is we we <laughs> all we all have. Our highest selves. We all have our. I think even in this country, Abraham Lincoln called it our better angels, and we have we have our darker devils or whatever. We have we have we have our darker right, and Mm -hmm. and and we always want to be we want to be vigilant within ourselves and among our leaders on 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 both on you know on all all, both sides. Another very important thing, and you quoted the Tanya, one of the great books on Jewish mysticism of the 18th century, is you know, and I say this as a communicator. I, I speak for a living. This is how I make a living. So I say this to you. Words are powerful. They're flowery. They're beautiful. But they can also be deceptive. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a person has to ask the question. You know, if I can choose between two leaders, one whose words are unbelievably refined and amazing, and one whose words are horrible. But what about actions? What if actions are the other way around? So that's also a very important question right. that we have that people are asking. So here's Finally, the problem. Sorry, Rabbi, for the interruption. Here's the problem yeah, yeah. from Go my ahead. perspective, and I figured we'd get here right mid-show, right on point. That it's murky. You know, there are policy aspects that per certain a person may agree or disagree with. Uh, there are character issues. Uh, it's hard to look into a, a, a woman or a man's soul and and know. Uh, you know what the balance between good and evil is. So, in a point of the show is not for, again for us to calibrate that. But here's my problem. I'm going to okay. tell you a little story that we have. We have a, several callers waiting. We have several texts that are going to tell you a little story. We can reflect on it, and then we'll come back and start answering uh, some callers' uh, questions. Sure. I I wear in my daily life. I wear a kippah. I wear a yarmulke. So I'm clearly identified as Jewish. If I didn't, you probably wouldn't know necessarily, looking at me, that I am. I live part of the week in a very rural uh, area in the, in the Catskills, which has a mix of politics. It's a very classically purple county. And there's a barbershop in the area that is known for being a skinhead hangout. It's a known racist hangout. To the po- And it's been there for – listen, I've been up for 20 years. I'm not – 
giving any secrets away. Everyone knows that if, if someone with my you know, olive, darker skin, certainly if I'm wearing a yarmulke, if I show up there, oh, they're, magically they're about to close. They're not going to give me a haircut in the, all the years they've, they've been there. Uh, they wouldn't give a black person a haircut. They wouldn't give a Latino person a haircut, etc. Now, there's a guy. So I, I very recently, we're talking in the last couple of weeks, I went to a, a local place to get a quick bite. I'm, I'm st- you know, sitting at a counter by myself, checking my phone, and I'm, it's kind of a horseshoe bar type of setup. And I look across, and a guy looks familiar. And he clearly has the skinhead kind of motifs to him. And the reason he looks familiar to me is that I've seen him many times hanging out at this place, at this uh, this skinhead hangout. And he, I noticed that he's really kind of staring at me. You know, sometimes you can you feel someone's looking at you, even if you're not looking directly at you. Yeah, and I assumed, because I'm used to this in life, it happens, as it happens also to all people of color in the United States, systemic racism is real, uh, anti-Semitism is real, and I figured, you know what, this guy's giving me the stink eye, whatever, I've seen it before, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna pay attention. But I look up, and you know what, lo and behold, Rabbi, this guy was not giving me the stink eye, he was giving me the buddy nod. And uh, mm. it, it, we all know, when you see it, what the buddy nod is, the buddy nod is, a little bit of a smile, like a little bit of a wink, a nod, like, you know what, we're brothers. He was giving me that look. And I'll tell you, Rabbi, I had multiple reactions at the same time. On the one hand, as a human being, we all love to be, we, we all want to be loved and appreciated. So it was nice. I, I found myself smiling back before I could think of anything else. I also felt there was some, some humor to it. I don't think this guy has read Mein Kampf. I'm not sure he really understands philosophically where he sits. He's a reactionary guy. Racism is a lot about that not being educated. Um, but there was also, behind that initial emotional reaction and the humor to it, there was deep disturbance. And what I realized at that moment was that guy thinks I'm his buddy for one reason. It's I'm wearing a yarmulke. And that guy thinks, and he was in a place, by the way, a kosher place, which is bizarre unto itself, that guy now thinks that me, and let's say we, as an observant Jew or somewhere on that spectrum, are with him now because he's pro-Trump and I'm pro-Trump. He's making that assumption. I'm not saying I am. I, 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 I'm very careful about not saying my political views in this program. It's not the point of the program. But what disturbed me at that moment really wasn't about what, you know where we sit, you know, whether I'm supporting or not supporting Trump or Biden for a particular reason, it was a deep-seated disturbance and fear that others, the other people in the restaurant, the the uh, black slash Latino waitress, the manager of that restaurant, um, others would see that and think, oh, my goodness, Dove is on that guy's team? And that, I think, is what we are seeing writ large as a Jewish community. Years ago, not even, forget about years ago, even a year ago, if I would be walking in a place where there are a lot of other non-Jews, and I'm clearly identified as a Jew, in many respects, I think, not everybody, but I think many would think, there is someone who's trying to live a righteous life. There is someone who is compassionate. Historically in this country, we've, the, the Jewish community has been a drive, not only participant, but a driver in the civil rights movement, a driver in terms of getting equal rights for all and other issues that are seen as around egalitarianism and so forth. And now 
if I'm walking in a place with a lot of people who are not Jewish and I'm and I'm clearly identified as a Jew in one way or another, I think possibly they're thinking, oh, there goes there goes a racist, there goes a reactionary. That's the, that's the problem for you. So we're going to come back with the, having dropped that bomb. We're going to take another quick break. We're going to take a couple of questions. And Rabbi, I look forward to you. Uh, <laughs> untying that knot for for me, getting us out of this uh, sticky wicket. We'll be right back on equal footing. Are you a small or medium-sized business owner who wants to provide a low-cost, effective health benefit for your employees? or a school administrator who wants to ensure all of your students have the proper vaccines? Or maybe you're a parent trying to keep your family's medical records up to date. Well, welcome to DocuVax, an easy-to-use digital locker accessible on your laptop or smartphone that allows you to safely store and validate basic medical information, including immunization records, lab results, even x-rays and MRIs. Gone are the days of losing time tracking down old medical records or sharing test results with a new healthcare provider. The DocuVax system covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from flu and tetanus vaccines, to colorectal and breast cancer screenings, to blood type and allergies. To sign up, go to www.docuvax.com or call 833-859-1933. For as little as $9.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. And as a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, blood tests, or anything else in your locker. DocuVax medical data is never accessible unless the individual subscriber wants to share it privately using a proprietary QR code-based system that keeps data secure at all times. So put an end to worrying if you or someone you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file and sign up at DocuVax.com. And if your organization is interested in learning about becoming a DocuVax sponsor to get group discounts, please call 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. Operators are standing by. Right, we're back on equal footing with Dove Tuzman, graced by the presence of Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, one of America's premier Jewish scholars. So, Rabbi, without getting too wonky or, or technical here, what I was referring to before the break, in a, in a, in a way, is, is a version of Chilul Hashem, this concept of, you know, that you're doing something that can kind of bring discredit or reflects badly on the Torah and the Jewish people, etc. And I guess what I'm saying to just really put it right out there is I sometimes wonder no matter how much one may agree on a policy basis on the issue of of, of Israel and security with with Trump are we as a Jewish people in the United States by by being perceived to be aligned with Trump in a certain sense uh, committing an act of Chilul Hashem where others now may kind of see the people see the faith differently It's a very interesting question. The way I see it is, I think this is our duty as Jews, and that's why it's so important, even when we are supporting a politician, supporting a leader, for good reasons, it's extremely important to always 
remain deeply connected to our spiritual roots and our spiritual value system. The great revolution of the Hebrew Bible, of the Torah, of the opening of Genesis, is that the human being was carved in the divine image. Let's not take for granted the revolutionary power of that verse in Genesis, because what that means is that you may not be in my image, but you're still in God's image. I may not be in your image, but I'm still in God's image. The source of probably every conflict in history has been based on the idea that if you're not in my image, whatever that image looks like, right. somehow you're worth less. So and that's a, why idol, yeah. it's extremely important to remain loyal to that and constantly remember, just as Indeed. we are endangered by the radical left, we are endangered by the radical right. Indeed. But nobody, it's very easy to fall into these semantics and traps. I am very perturbed when a student on campus is scared to identify as a Jew or scared to identify with Israel, BDS movements, etc. And I'm horrified as well when somebody identifies a Jew or a Jew living with the Torah with far-right far extremism and hatred and racism and bigotry. So it's extremely important. We are not will never sell your soul, never sell your spirituality to an individual party or an individual person. We are servants of God, and all humans are His children. Our goal is to turn this world into a place of love and compassion and decency. You never take your eyes off that target and never sell ourselves for anything less than that. Now, we know that leaders are flawed, and every person then has to make a decision under the circumstances. When I look at one person's actions versus one leader's actions versus another leader's actions, who I'm going to support? Yeah. It's, it's the, uh, the, the, the Scylla and Charybdis of, of the... Uh, from Greek mythology of the two two extremes, and boy, do I feel that. You know, this, yeah. I, I've been yes, politically yes, yes. aware now for uh, you and, know, 40, and, and, 40 and years. And I tell people, and I tell yeah. people, you're not voting. You're not voting for the guru of the millennium. You're not voting for Moses, right, or Maimonides, or Rashi, or the Baal Shem, I'm talking about some of the great spiritual, or, or Isaiah, or Jeremiah, who are also human beings. We are voting for flawed individuals who may, who have good sides and have other sides, like me and you, and we really look, and I think what matters most is I look at a person's actions and I ask, and I ask, really, what will promote our mission statement in this world, which is to create a world of peace and goodness and kindness and healing and acceptance, and and you know, so and when we, I, I tell people on both sides, I said, don't worship, don't turn politics into religion. It's a big mistake. The religion is, is supposed to be religion. And politics is politics. <laughs> the issue is that whatever, even though we may understand that subtlety when we're going into the to the the, the election booth, the voting booth, others may not understand that subtlety and seeing us as 
living a Jewish life, there's a higher expectation as well, and character does matter. And I think that's where we get into some of the the sticky wicket. We're going to take mm-hmm. a couple of calls here. We've got we've got uh, James on line four. James, how are you tonight? Hello, Doug. Hello, Rabbi. Uh, hello, my hello. Question, my question would be: If the world has come to resemble the crowded pasture described in the Book of Ezekiel, chapter thirty-four. Uh, verses 17 to 22, I won't read it, uh, per, you know, verbatim, but it's the fat, healthy sheep and goats, uh, butting aside the skinny sheep until the Lord declares that he has to take a hand, and that's what the Bible says, but in reality, the world is a system, and it, uh, and it seems to oblige, uh, uh, whoever's going to, uh, uh, I guess have a job or or, or, or have some authority. Uh, the, the, a basic requirement will sometimes be to sort of uh, you know not serve everybody equally. Often maybe even to be of disservice. So you know, butting aside. So Jeff, uh, what's I, I want to get to the essence of your question here for the rabbi. What what is the punchline of your question? Well. I just, I'm just trying to point out, it, it, the world system is a mega machine. It's, a, it's the idea of Lewis Mumford, updated by uh, a current author named uh, Fabian Siedler, the end of the mega machine. The mega machine has reached its limits, and now it turns rapaciously upon uh, the society that it was originally... Listen, I think that's listen a- my friend, and I- that chapter in Ezekiel is 33... The prophet says something beautiful and says that even the most a person who has surrendered to moral mediocrity should always remember the power to repent and heal. So I think that's a very good message from this chapter. Let's go to the next caller. I actually think that that's a, it's a great point and touches on the portion of the Torah that we're focused on this week of Noah, the story of, of Noah and the Ark. And the idea that, you know, even the most righteous person in that generation, Noah, uh, he wasn't, uh, he was far from perfect, right? He, <laughs> he gets drunk in the vineyard. He, uh, you know, I, as a kid, I always struggled, Rabbi, with the concept of th- that God tells this guy that this, you know, flood is coming. He's building an ark. He's, you know, he's, he's supposed to save certain animals or whatever. The guy doesn't tell his neighbors. I mean, he's not, he's not a good enough guy to go and say, "Hey, by the way, I heard there's a big flood coming." He just lets everyone on die, everyone else die. So it's 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 complex. Indeed, the, the rabbi saw Noah as as a very righteous person, but not as a leader. Right. <laughs> In the sense of a leader must take responsibility to, towards others and inspire the generation. So I think in each of our lives, it's not enough just to be righteous, you know? The Tatsuka Rebbe was a great Hasidic master. He called Noah, he said, a righteous person in a fur coat. He said, instead of putting on a fur coat to warm yourself, light a fire so you can warm others as well. Yeah, well, uh, wouldn't it be amazing if we had a leader that combined both? That, because if we had if we had a leader that we could align behind character in terms of their character and their morality and also uh, policy, I'm going to read a couple of text questions. And first of all, in the spirit of humor, and I think we always sometimes the political debate in this country gets so heated that we forget uh, to also laugh at ourselves. Yeah. A bit. And I got a couple reactions to the story I told, which for me was very emotional. Right, the story of the neo Nazi is giving me the buddy nod yeah. before the break and. Uh, I got one one person sent in a text asking if I was sure that he hadn't had a change of heart 
And you know what? It's a fair point. I, I'm not sure he didn't have a yeah. change of heart. Maybe it's maybe I totally misunderstood. And he was not saying, "Oh, you're an observant Jew, and therefore we're on the Trump camp, and you're you're a you're a bigot like me, or whatever." He was might be thinking at that moment, but in fact, that he was had some sort of moment of repentance and insight. That's true. Um, another person texted in, "Was I was I sure that he wasn't hitting on me?" Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wasn't hitting on me, but uh, I appreciate the, uh, the the alternative narrative. Okay, we we have a, a serious text question here, Rabbi. And I can understand how this person who'd like to remain an anonymous and is asking you, Rabbi Jacobson, how would you explain how an observant Jew can, I'm putting in the word observant, how would you explain how a Jew can support an individual that is causing such divisiveness? So I guess at the, we've talked about foreign policy. We've talked about issues, you know, social policy issues where it would make sense to be aligned. But what about the divisiveness? What? How? How can you support? How can we support a, a leader if, if indeed we choose to, that is, seems to be splitting apart the the country? It's a great question, and I, I, I think before I give my answer, I just want to say that I think it's important for me to emphasize, as I said earlier, and I just need to reemphasize it, that, you know, I, I really feel that we can very easily fall into traps, and this, doesn't, this is not here to purify one person versus somebody else, but just to give a larger picture and remember that, yes, somebody may have very serious flaws, but to just to paint it as black and white, I think, would, would be wrong. So I just want to, you know, mention one more thing. And that is we have reached a point in, in, in American politics, and I know it's not comfortable for people to hear, where words became so meaningless that people can literally say anything and get away with it if it sounded nice if it sounded politically correct, if it sounded tolerant, if it sounded accepting. The classic example, and I'm saying this as a Jew, of course, is Israel. The lies about Israel that have been developed over the last decade or two, the most sophisticated media, and the most sophisticated professors and intelligentsia preachers, university professors, essayists, authors, were so despicable and horrific, more UN condemnations against Israel than against Syria, which killed more than a half a million of its own people also using chemical warfare. And I think when you have such a lethal and toxic climate dressed in beautiful words, I think that all of the arguments in regular rhetoric and talk, I could not find effective. There was such a, such a hatred dressed up in sophistication, and it may be, and, and I'm not justifying it in any way, but it may just be that Mr. Trump's language, which I often uh, really, really don't appreciate, was actually something that a lot of it could have been instigated by extremism for the other side, which may have been equally divisive. So even though I really don't like his rhetoric and I would guide him to speak about things much, much different, I just feel it's very unfair to ignore the depths of bigotry and hatred and breaking down of all truth 
that came from many sophisticated people who call themselves the other side. It's such a complicated issue. That's, that's what I feel. Yeah, it's such a complicated issue. And, 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 and I'm not justifying here and whitewashing aggressive and negative and divisive language coming from the President of the United States, especially as a president who should serve as somebody who unites. I'm not whitewashing anything and not turning anybody into a saint. I'm just saying we have witnessed such, such horrible sentiments and flowery language coming from, so to speak, the other camp, that I don't even know what the right response was. I'm talking about, you know, top media, top media outlets have lost all their objectivity. I can understand two sides. I have no problem with people disagreeing with me. But really equating, you know, people who are dedicated to life and peace fundamentally, even if they make mistakes, to people or groups who are dedicated to death, terror, and destruction. That equation drove most of us, grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, of Stalin survivors, crazy. It drove us crazy, that, that equation. It almost felt like that the Second World War could have not been won under, under such a climate of attack against... Well, against uh, we're going to get to that in our last few minutes of the show, the, the, the comparison of the pre-Second World War period, and we're both, I believe, grandchildren of, of Holocaust survivors. We're going to take one more break. Uh, we'll be right back on Equal Footing with sure. Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson. Tonight's program of Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is brought to you by Mechanical Art Capital. Mechanical Art offers financing to watch collectors and high-end watch dealers from anywhere in the world. Unlock the cash value of your watch collection or inventory with Mechanical Art Capital's guaranteed buyback contracts. They're easy. For more information, please call 833-209-0972. That's 833-209-0972. Funds are wired out quickly in two business days or less. Your your timepieces are stored safely and securely in Manhattan, New York, and you can have your watches back whenever you ready. Contact Mechanical Art Capital at 833-209-0972. All right, we are going to quickly take, we're ba- you're back on the air with Equal Footing, Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman. We have Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson on, one of America's Premier Jewish scholars. We're going to take one more call quickly. We've got Stan on line one. Yes, uh, Dove, I'm very upset by what I've heard from this gentleman, this rabbi. Tell us, Stan. You know, uh, let, let me, let me, uh, since I'm on the other side, I'm the, on the other side, let me identify who this man is that you're talking to. This is like most of the, not all, but most of the Orthodox. He has a disease. And the disease is look the other way. And by looking the other way, he says, well, you know, we shouldn't uh, get too involved with each politician, but they have some bad things and so forth and so on. But we have to, you know, everybody has faults. It sounds nice. It sounds, you know, reasonable if we are living in a reasonable time in this country. Mm -hmm. But it's not. The 
rabbi can delude himself. Just a minute. The rabbi can delude himself all he wants. He can say what he wants, make speeches. The reality is, must we look the other way when someone tells us lies when human life is at stake and a pandemic and lies to us? Must we look the other way when we're told that we have to, you know, don't wear this, don't wear a mask, you'll be fine. And if asked, what would you do any different? I wouldn't do anything. Hundreds of thousands of people are dying because we have somebody who really looks the other way, doesn't care. And yet the rabbi supports him. How a man Stan, of religious thought... Stan, you, you, you know... Wait a second. You, you How does a man of religious respect, thought... You know that I love and respect you, so I, I'm, I, I I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm trying to get to the question. This show isn't about... And actually, Rabbi Jacobson nor myself have stated where we are politically. And I actually... Would I think be, he has. It's not... Uh, look, well, actually... Give me a second, Stan. Give me one oh, second. Sure, sure. One no second. problem. He has stated. We well, know what he thinks. He said it. Let's let's just because we just have a few minutes left, but I really I actually love the essence of what you're saying because I think it brings up a lot of why I wanted to put this put this show on the air. Let's assume I'd ask you, Stan, to assume for a moment that you actually don't know what Rabbi Jacobson or myself which candidate we'd vote for. And actually, I had I had off the air, off mic, private conversations with Rabbi Jacobson, and I think one could be surprised in either of our cases about you know where who will actually vote for in that in that booth. So my question to you, Stan, is assuming that you don't know, do you think there's a danger in the alignment? Because that's what we're getting. Do you think? Well, how do you define alignment? What I'm what saying you, is, what, what, let's, what say, let's say, let's say that I'm voting. Let's for the sake of argument that I'm voting for Joe Biden. Okay? okay. And I'm walking down the street with my kippa on, and if I uh, wore tzitzit, that I have my tzitzit. I don't. But I'm walking down the street, and and someone sees me, and they think there goes a Trump supporter. Just take, suspend your disbelief for a moment. Assume what I just said is the case. Assume I'm voting for Joe Biden and assume I'm walking down the street and someone assumes I'm a Trump supporter just by, because of the way I'm dressed and what I look like. Is that a problem? That's well, if the man talks to him like we're talking to you and I'm talking to this gentleman, it can be determined what he is. I mean, you're, you're putting up a, a thesis that has two answers. So the key point is what he says. He said what things say matters, and what he says matters. And what he said basically is saying is, don't basically you know judge a man by this or that. He has flaws. I'm sorry, Rabbi. This is more than flaws. This Listen, is life and death friend, we're talking about. Well, thank you for your thank you for your candidness. Appreciate it. I I would just. You may be 100% right, but I think everybody will know that it may, history may prove that the way he handled COVID-19 was a colossal failure. But let's face the facts. Number one, let's not make it sound as though he invented this pandemic, number one. Number two, I don't see any country that got it fully right. Even our brilliant geniuses... <laughs> And, and Israel didn't get it right, unfortunately. I don't know that we know exactly this. the scientists themselves have changed their minds. So I don't, it may, you may be right. It may prove to be a horrible failure. I'm not going to say that his behavior here was, was wonderful. I don't know, but I don't think anybody can really say that we really have a final verdict. Rabbi, I'm gonna, we're going we're to we're need to end on that note because we're going to run out of time. I want to thank Stan for that question because that really okay. is a great way to – his question, your response, helps us tie this together. Great. What I would encourage folks who are, are, are listening is to think ahead. 
Whatever your vote is, think ahead both as a voter and as a Jew. Not one year, but ten years, because the parties will change, power will change, and what are we projecting as a people to our neighbors? Yes. Uh, think about that when you're in that voting booth. Whatever your decision yes. is between you and your conscience. And, and you know, and you know what else, Rabbi Wideway? I I got to cut you off because we're about to go out of time. Oh, I okay. love you. I'm so you happy to have much. you on the show. Thank you. My honor. Thank you. Right. We'll see everyone next week. Blessings. Talks to God are the conversations brief or long. Does he ask to rape our women's rights and send poor farm kids off to die? Does God suggest an oil hike when the president...